On May 14th, I'll be hosting a free support event in honor of Mother's Day. In partnership with Prove and with doulas on my team, we are hosting this space and it's going to be similar to the spaces that we hold for our support groups, but most importantly, it's a safe space for bereaved mothers to come and seek support, validation, and community. You can register and learn more about this event. Again, it's free by clicking the link in today's episode notes. We also have new support groups starting in May from first time loss, recurrent loss, secondary loss, infant loss, and more. View these groups by visiting themiscarriagedoula.co or by clicking the link in the show description. Some of our groups are available to register for while others have wait lists. You can check out all the information for these groups and our free event at themiscarriagedoula.co. Now let's get into this episode. You're listening to Miscarriage Stories with Arden Cartrett. Shelly, thank you so much for joining me today. Um, it's been an honor to get to know you and your story privately. And so I'm I'm so glad that you're sharing your story of loss with the world. And, and I feel like it's a it's a story that needs to be told. So I welcome you to the show and and get started wherever you feel like your story begins. Thank you so much. Um, it definitely feels like an honor to get to share um, my story too. Um, I guess I'll start with um, my my husband and I got married in 2015. Um, we had been college sweethearts and um, we had just started seminary. So we didn't want to rush into having kids, although we were both very excited to become parents. But since we were in grad school, we just wanted to wait until the time was right to start trying. Um, so a couple of years went by and um, actually Mother's Day of 2019, we were surprised to find out that I was pregnant. We had not been trying. Um, and then um, we were doubly surprised to find out that I was carrying twins. Um, so that was a very wonderful surprise for us, but everything kind of quickly turned into very high risk, very difficult pregnancy. Um, I went into labor at 28 weeks and was hospitalized. Um, they did all kinds of things to stop labor. Labor gave me steroid shots to help my boys' lungs and brains develop faster. Um, so I was put on bed rest for six weeks and had a lot of labor and delivery trips, um, but somehow made it to 34 weeks. My water broke and um, ended up having an emergency C-section and delivered my boys, Liam and Micah. Um, So we spent 15 days in the NICU and it was definitely traumatic. We had complications. Um, It was just a whole mess. And then postpartum, I ended up having retained placenta. I was bleeding. I was continuing to have contractions and fevers and chills and, um, just continued to be misdiagnosed over and over. At one point I was diagnosed with the flu and another point I was diagnosed with mastitis, um, which one nurse ended up telling me at one point, she thinks that might've 
been really good that I was put on antibiotics because I was very clearly sick with um, retained placenta, even though it was not diagnosed, I needed, you know, something to help my body fight that. So at eight weeks postpartum, I did end up getting diagnosed with retained placenta and had a DNC. Um, and then a few weeks later, COVID hit um, the US. So um, that was my introduction to motherhood. And it was um, very traumatic. And I developed severe postpartum anxiety and PTSD. And so we'd always really wanted children close in age, but I was so, so scared of all of that happening again. Um, and that, you know, that's what I was scared of. I didn't go into trying to have another baby scared of miscarriage so much. Although I think I would have said just like any mom that of course I was worried about that. But what I was really afraid of was having like a high-risk pregnancy, traumatic birth, traumatic postpartum kind of thing. Um, but after my boys turned two, um, I had a lot of therapy and I was feeling ready. So we started trying to have another baby in December of 2021. And we got pregnant on the first cycle trying. Um, so I called my OB right away and this was definitely a new OB. I definitely lost faith in our last OB after everything. Um, and this OB was very, um, just kind of on top of it. He got me in immediately for blood work. That's just his protocol. Um, and then a few days later, the nurse called telling me my HCG was in the normal range, but was lower than ideal. Then a few days later I had severe, sharp pain. I felt like it was coming from one side. I was about five weeks at that point. And so I'm thinking I'm having an ectopic pregnancy. So I go to the ER, they do an ultrasound and they can see a gestational sac, but not a fetal pole at that point. So it's, they just told me to go home and, you know, follow up with my OB. So my OB has me have an ultrasound at six weeks and there's, you know, the baby was measuring very small. There's no heartbeat. Um, but it was kind of like ambiguous. Like I ovulate late, my OB is thinking maybe my dates are confused, you know, and we're just gonna, he told me to just try to stay positive and we're going to come back next week and do another ultrasound and just kind of wait and see. Um, and at the time, one of my best dearest friends in the world had just had brain surgery to try to remove a stage four tumor. So my dear friend has cancer and I'm scheduled to go visit her. So I just kind of decide to, since I have to wait anyway, to just like not worry about it, which is very unlike me, but, um, I just, I'm like, well, I have to wait and see anyway. So I'm just not going to worry about it and hope for the best. And, um, so I go to stay with my friend for about a week and um, I'm able to really just focus on her. But there are even still these little moments. I remember at one point, um, like being on the phone to my mom and saying I was worried because I wasn't really feeling nauseous anymore. And, um, you know, she was like, oh, don't worry. You're just focused on your friend. Like, it'll be okay. Um, so for the most part, I just didn't really worry for that week. And I had another ultrasound at seven weeks. And I thought that would be like, we're going to get an answer. Um, like, is the baby okay or is it not? But it was still really ambiguous. Like the baby had grown, there's still no heartbeat. Um, so again, there's, you know, the doctor's saying maybe the dates are off and he's telling me to just try to stay positive. Um, 
And so, you know, that's really discouraging. And um, we go home like a week later on a Friday night, I started to feel just really off and restless all day. And I assumed I was just anxious because everything going on and wanted to just kind of like walk it off. Um, And so our whole family goes on a walk. We take our boys on a walk and I, I got back and just had an urge to use the bathroom and I had started bleeding. Um, and at this point I'm about eight weeks along. Um, so I call the on-call OB and they give me the standard, you know, two by two rule. If you bleed through two pads in an hour for two consecutive hours, go to the ER. Um, but otherwise they said to just see my OB, um, on Monday. Um, and so I had my mom and like close friends and my husband, we share very early. It's just we share that we're expecting very early. So a lot of close people knew, um, and they're all trying to encourage me to like, stay positive, everything could be okay. And, um, I had one friend telling me about how she bled in her first trimester and everything was okay. Um, but I think I just knew, you know, things had not been going well and I just like knew I was losing my baby. Um, and I remember the next day, just I really just stayed in bed all day and I was in a lot of pain. Um, but I remember taking a photo of my hand on my belly, thinking that this was my last day with my baby and, uh, the bleeding continued to progress and increase. And Sunday, um, the third day of, um, bleeding, um, I started passing a lot of clots and, um, was bleeding really heavily. And I was super unprepared for the experience. Like, I feel like everything I read on the internet just describes like cramping and a heavy period. And for me, that was not accurate. And so Sunday evening, the severe cramping changed to what I realized were actual contractions. And I had had contractions off and on for weeks with my boys um, going in and out of labor. And so I realized I was having actual contractions and that was terrifying but also it just felt so validating to realize that I was actually like giving birth to my baby. Um, and so at that point I'm passing like very large clots and like holding them in my hands and letting like water from the faucet run over them to just try to find my baby. And I didn't expect to, Um, just because everything I'd read online said that like at this point in pregnancy, like a baby probably wouldn't be recognizable, but I just kind of felt this like need to try. Um, and so then the contractions and kind of like urge to, you know, push got to their height. And then there was like my tiny, tiny little baby in its gestational sack. And, um, I was just in total awe um and called my husband in and we just cried together and just stared and stared at our baby um it was a really meaningful like hard experience for us but we're both really thankful that we had that time together um and so then the next morning I called my OB's office and um the nurse said to go and get blood work done to check all my levels um which I ended up passing out during, which just felt like adding kind of to the whole situation. Um, but then I got an ultrasound to confirm the loss. Um, and ROB was very kind. Um, 
my miscarriage wasn't complete yet. And there was this freeze coming. This is January. And like everything was about to shut down. Um, I'm in Texas. And so the world shuts down if we have any kind of freeze or snow. And so, you know, we were kind of trying to decide if I should go ahead and try to let my body finish passing everything on its own or if I should have a DNC, which because of my experience with my boys, I was really, really scared of a DNC. Um, so I decided to try to let my body just finish. And the next week I had another ultrasound, um, that showed a complete miscarriage. Um, and I remember leaving the office, just feeling so hurt. Like I, I had this feeling like my body was better at miscarrying than at delivering live children since it was such a, you know, quote, smooth miscarriage. Everything went really smoothly. Um, and that just hurt me like that I'm better at miscarrying than delivering live children. Um, we were just really heartbroken and decided to wait three months to just give my body time to heal, give us a little time to grieve. And um, then we would try to conceive again after three months. Um, and I really tried to just honor my loss and process and grieve it without holding anything back, which I feel like can feel like the strange thing in our culture. Um, we bought special mementos like a birthstone ring and a birth flower print and we named our baby promise and we were very open that we had lost a baby and shared a post on social media and just really tried to allow ourselves to be fully present to the grief and I'm really thankful that in losing our first baby even though I was so unprepared I still set that precedent for myself and I'm really thankful that I was able to do that just give myself that space um, and so after three months, we started trying to conceive and we conceived the second cycle and found out I was pregnant in June of this year, 2022. Um, and my OB immediately orders blood work to check my HCG and schedules me for a six week ultrasound. And um, just through this whole journey, I've been so thankful for how relational he is. And um, he knew I was very anxious and just wanted to alleviate worries as soon as possible. Um, and uh, from the beginning, this baby and pregnancy were just different from the last. And being pregnant after a loss is so scary, but um, I did very quickly start to feel like I was gaining hope. I was nauseous, like very nauseous and vomiting. The, my HCG came back great. Every ultrasound was great. Um, my OB had me coming in for weekly ultrasounds just for my peace of mind. Um, and even at one of my ultrasounds, I think I was seven or eight weeks. I remember I just let out this huge breath of relief as soon as he identified and spoke the baby's heart rate. And I remember it's, he's, he was just like, Shelly, please, please try to relax. I know it's so hard, but this is going so well, you know, and I just really want you to try to relax. And I know that's so hard. And at that point, hearing him say, you know, it's going so well. And I'm seeing that for myself. I was still scared, but I really started to be hopeful. And so I continued having weekly ultrasounds the next few weeks. And my symptoms kept progressing and becoming more severe. Um, 
and you know we're seeing the baby's growing and strong heartbeat and then at 10 weeks I wasn't feeling anything at all like nothing bad and I just went to the bathroom and discovered that I was spotting and I immediately broke down just like weeping and called my husband in who thankfully just happened to be home on his lunch break um, and I was just like crying on him saying over and over, like, I don't want to do this. I can't do this again. Um, and like, I was positive that I was losing the baby and my OB's office told me to go to the ER, um, which was just so grueling. It took so long. The ER was packed. Um, and I just kept periodically breaking down, um, and just saying, I don't want to do this. I don't want to be here. Um, but we finally did get an ultrasound, um, and they let my husband go in for some reason. I think they were honestly, maybe just compassionate in my experience, the ear doesn't usually let anyone go in with you for the ultrasound, but they did let him in that time and they wouldn't let me see the screen. Um, but Ryan, my husband was like straining too. And I was just like watching him, like trying to read his face. And I remember he gave me this tiny nod um just trying to let me know like the baby's okay and that there's a tech in training even in there like they're not supposed to tell you anything but she spoke the heart rate um which was 165 which was great for the baby's age and I was just so thankful for her she even followed us out and kind of whispered to me like the baby's looking great like here the heart rate's great like I think you're okay um and the ER doctor ended up saying the same thing that, you know, not to worry. Um, he said, like, obviously I can't make any guarantees, but, you know, with as far along as you are with such a good heart rate, like your chances of losing this baby are very low. Um, they did send me home with a threatened miscarriage diagnosis and told me to follow up with my OB on Monday. Um, so that weekend was just awful. I kept vacillating between feeling hopeful because I was given such hopeful words at the ER. Ryan described to me like the baby was moving, the heartbeat was clear, like what he had seen on the ultrasound. So I'm vacillating between feeling hopeful and then just feeling despair. Like I'm continuing to spot and I just felt sure something was wrong. My dog stayed really close to me, which she had done when I went into labor with my boys. And that really bothered me. Like, I felt like she knew something was wrong. Um, but I did manage to get through the weekend. Um, we called my OB's office Monday and they had already heard from the ER and had an ultrasound scheduled for me that afternoon. And even just waiting until the afternoon was just brutal, you know. Um, but we got to the appointment. My OB comes in. <laughs> And it's just like, I heard you had a tough weekend. Let's just get right to it and see the baby and see what's going on. Um, and he's starting the ultras, getting our ultrasound started. And he's saying really encouraging things about how great the baby looked in the ER ultrasound images and how he saw the heartbeat had been strong. And as soon as a visual of the baby popped up on the screen, he was just abruptly silent. And I felt like all this time was passing and the thought came through my head that there was no heartbeat, but I just like got mad at myself. I think I just like instantly rejected that thought. And um, so my OB said something about like the fluid around the baby looked good. And I asked, what does that mean? 
And that's when he said, I, I can't find a heartbeat, Shelly. I'm so sorry. Um, so of course I started sobbing and my husband was just holding my hand and had his hand on my shoulder and my OB just kept saying he was so sorry while he finished the ultrasound. Um, and so he ended up saying he wanted to give us a little time and then he'd come back in and talk with us and he hugged me and left and Ryan just held me and we just cried for a while. Um, and I wanted to say that at the time I was very thankful for how my OB treated me, but the more stories I hear in the lost community, um, the more I realize that the care I received and would continue to receive is like so sadly just not the norm. Um, so I'm so thankful um, for that. And it makes me so sad that that's not the norm for most women. Um, so my OB came back in and after, you know, saying he took these back-to-back losses very seriously and was going to order the full recurrent loss panel for me and even said that he felt personally stunned and affected by this loss which man just felt it felt so good to be treated like a human being you know by our by my doctor and it goes such a long way um but then he starts talking about our options like expectant medical or surgical management and I immediately chose like expectant just to wait and hope my body could miscarry um, and deliver the baby without intervention. Um, because after my last loss and just how special and meaningful to me, it was that I got to see my baby. I really, really wanted to get to see this baby too. Um, so that decision was very easy for me and I was very hopeful that it would work out. Um, so we went home and after being so unprepared um, with promise our first loss there were things I knew I wanted to do with this baby and I was just so drained and devastated but I think that having some tangible things I wanted to do to prepare really helped me get through those first few days um, like I knew I wanted to try to deliver in bed so I got a ton of puppy pads and, um, I knew I wanted to bury this baby. So we bought a tiny box and made a little cushion inside, um, that was like covered in cloth that said, I love you. Um, and then I just waited and the longer I waited, the more I just started to not, I really didn't want my baby to leave my body. And I've heard a lot of women say that they hated knowing they were just walking around with their baby, just like dead inside their body. Um, and I, of course, can relate to that too. It was a, just excruciating emotionally, but at the same time, the thought of my baby no longer being with me in my body just broke me. Um, and I just felt like it had all happened so fast. So I just really wanted time um so a week passed and at that point I had been pregnant for 11 weeks and it was August 15th and um we went back for another ultrasound and nothing had really changed we saw the baby again um 
and I said I was open to trying misoprostol if nothing had changed in another week. I just still really didn't want a DNC unless it was necessary. Um, I really wanted to see my baby and my OB told me just about how unreliable misoprostol can be and but that he understood that I was really wanting to avoid a DNC so that if another week passed and my body hadn't naturally delivered that we could start with misoprostol. So we left with that plan. Um, then on the way home, I started to experience this extreme pain that just came in waves, like pain I couldn't even talk through. And I've said, looking back, that it was by far the worst pain of my life. Um, and it was maybe the third or fourth wave of pain that I realized I was having contractions. So for some reason, I, you know, I'm sure I just wasn't thinking clearly. I insisted we pick up our boys from my friend's house. My husband wanted to go straight home, but I insisted we pick them up. So after picking them up, the contractions were getting closer and closer together. And as soon as I got into the house and into the bathroom, I delivered our baby. Um, and again, just like with our last baby, I just felt so much awe. Um, the baby was beautiful. Um, born in the gestational sack, which I cut open so I could hold the baby in my hands and it was perfect. There were all 10 fingers and ears and eyes, little feet and a little belly and the little cord. Um, and it was just the most amazing, devastating experience. Um, and Ryan and I spent some time with our baby while my mother-in-law took care of the boys. And eventually we went out to a spot that is special to us and buried our baby, which was definitely the hardest thing I've ever done. Um, just felt like my heart was being ripped out of my chest and I've never cried like that in my life. Um, and after delivering the baby, it was just like this emotional dam just broke. Like, I think it was all kind of being a little bit held up while I was still carrying. Um, and of, I just felt like I was drowning. And I, of course, I was heartbroken with my first loss, but there was also this part of me that felt like one loss is common. Um, and that felt less lonely. Um, but two, back to back, um, I, you know, I was reading online that it's rare and I just felt so angry, like so much rage and just so devastated. And why would, why was I, why did I lose two babies in a row? Um, but like I said earlier, I'm very thankful for the precedent I set for myself with our first loss and just having that experience, basically being present to grief and allowing it to just kind of have its way with me. And again, we were very open about losing our baby. We named this baby Psalm. And after a little while, we shared a post on social media. Um, and we told our boys who at this point were two and a half, we had told them right away with promise and telling them the baby wasn't in mommy's tummy anymore was just gut-wrenching. So we hadn't told them I was pregnant this time around, um, but I still wanted them to know that this baby was part of our family. 
um, even though they hadn't known I was pregnant. So we showed them an ultrasound photo and pointed out features and told them that this is Psalm, um, our baby, just like promises our baby. And we have the ultrasound photos framed in our home and the babies talk very freely about the babies. And um, it's very sweet and special to me. It's not an upsetting thing for them because they're so young. I think it's more just like a sweet, like, oh, these are our babies. And that's a very special thing for me. Um, so in all of this, my miscarriage is still incomplete. I have retained products and I'm angry. I'm devastated, but I keep having to go to the ER for things like spiking a fever or being so dizzy, I couldn't stand. Um, and it just felt like endless worrisome things that I kept having to go back and for. And I was just so frustrated because I wanted to just be able to focus on grieving my baby. So we tried the misoprostol. Bleeding gets heavier, lots of clots and you know cramping, and I think it worked. Um, but a few days later, I started experiencing much more severe pain and passing massive clots like the size of my palm. And eventually I surpassed the two by two rule and I'm bleeding so heavily that we go to the ER. Um, I've really never been treated like that in the ER before. I remember the nurse who took my vitals, just like looking back at the nurses behind him and being like priority. And they just rushed me back in and the ER doctor immediately came in. Um, so that was a little freaky. Um, meanwhile, I'm still profusely bleeding all over the place and it was just a mess. And they tell me that it looks like I'll need a DNC and they're probably going to admit me. They wanted to do an ultrasound and blood work first. So ultimately the blood work looks okay. And the ultrasound actually showed nothing left in my uterus. So they send me home saying it looked like my body had just done what it needed to do, um, which felt like this huge relief. And to then finally feel like I got the space to grieve. Like now I can just focus on grieving, focus on our loss. Um, that's kind of where it felt kind of like we've reached um, the end. Um, and at that point, I guess is when I started doing weekly HCG blood draws. Um, and it took a few weeks to get down to zero. Um, and once it was down, I did the recurrent loss panel, which came back with elevated numbers for antiphospholipid syndrome, which is what my OB had suspected as the problem. So I think that figuring out the problem ended up kind of feeling like this double-edged sword for me, because of course I wanted something pinpointed that we could treat, but then finding the problem kind of brings the weight of new concerns and fears. So with antiphospholipid syndrome, there's a high risk for second and third trimester loss too. Um, you're at risk for all kinds of scary blood clotting issues and um, just kind of new scary things to add on top of the, just the scariness of trying to conceive or being pregnant after loss. Um, but after getting those results, the plan with the OB was that I would be taking aspirin, I mean, actually for the rest of my life, um, and then progesterone and Levinox injections when I would become pregnant. Um, so at that point, it had been about five weeks since I had delivered Psalm and I um, started my first cycle um, after the loss. And I just felt this need to try getting pregnant again immediately. Um, 
I felt sort of this like angry determination to like not let death win was kind of the words that I found and it felt honoring to my babies. Uh, Of course, it's just such a tender, complicated, raw thing um, and decision, but that's how I felt at the time. So we tried that first cycle and got pregnant, um, found out and got the first positive pregnancy test on October 14th, um, which of course was a Friday. I feel like everything that ever happens to me is on a Friday. Um, but three days later on a Monday, I called my OB and he got all my medication ordered for me to start that day. Um, and a few hours later, I started miscarrying that baby too. Um, so that was right at a month ago and it was such an early loss, um, four and a half weeks. And I think it being so early brought its own, like hard to process, um, issues, you know, I knew emotionally that it would be painful. Um, but then I was surprised by how painful it ended up being physically, although it was nothing like the last two, it was still more painful physically than I expected. Um, and I've just felt very defensive and protective of this loss. Like this baby matters too. And is a part of our family too. We've been calling it our October baby. Um, so at this point I've been pregnant three times this year and I've lost three babies in one year and we're very, very much still in the thick of it. And I'm still very much processing and grieving the losses of my babies which made me really nervous to share my story, just knowing there's no way I can share it all. Um, But I am very thankful for the chance to share, especially still so much in the midst of it. Um, Just because I think it's so powerful to share what we can of our stories and to honor our babies and ourselves in that way. Um, So I'm really thankful for the space you've created for moms like us to do that, Arden. Yeah, of course. And and I agree. I think it's really important to share your story at any point. You know, it doesn't have to be mm-hmm. whenever you're on the quote unquote other side, right? It's when it feels best for you or therapeutic for you to do so. And I feel like I always tell people that you can always update your story. You know, this doesn't yeah. sharing your story at this point doesn't mean that this is the end of your story by any means. Yeah, absolutely. That's, that's so important to remember, I think, because I think we yeah. do kind of want to sort of tie it up nicely and it's just not possible. So, well, naturally we all hate cliffhangers. And so we, we think that that's what we're creating, but you know, it's just, your story is worth being told. And I I really like how you said um, that you set the precedent with your first loss of doing something Mm -hmm. to honor the baby, giving the baby a name and all of that, that way, every loss after it's almost like you validated yourself to do it with your other losses. And that's something I never did. And it's, I Mm -hmm. definitely regretted it. And I think it's because I didn't set the precedent with the first loss. Yeah, that makes sense. And I don't really even know where that urge in me came from. I'm just really thankful that it was there. And I did have a couple people say things just like concerned, like, are you sure you want to name it? And I'm really glad that I followed my heart on that. Yeah. I imagine that some of that comes from having your boys in the NICU, because I I think that that is its own, that's its own trauma and grief of the experience that you thought you were going to have. And so then 
to experience pregnancy loss after I imagine it brings you back to that headspace where you're like, I don't know what this, you know, means for us. And so I need to <laughs> kind of remember it in a certain way or honor it in some way and make the best <laughs> of it. I don't know if that's the better term. Yeah, I feel like it has kind of all become so intertwined where it's like, am I triggering my NICU trauma or is it the the losses? Like it's all very tangled up together. Yeah. Well, because they're all your babies. Yeah. Yeah. Your mom. So the the trauma of being worried about your children, losing your children, all of this stuff, it's it's all entangled, which is a it's a morbidly like beautiful thing. It's kind of like you said, where Mm -hmm. multiple times with birth, you know, it, it was like beautiful, but in, in such a dark and sad way. And and so I feel like miscarriage can be morbidly beautiful. That's the way I felt about mine too, where it was like a horrible experience, but I was also Mm -hmm. empowered and uh, really in awe of what my body was capable of, but also so sad at the same time. Yeah. I, we've, really connected with the baby's um, birth flowers. And this last loss was October, which is a marigold. And that flower symbolizes um, uh, despair and defiance, which I feel like is exactly how I feel at this point. Yeah, kind of no, I love that. that. Yeah. I totally love that. I love the birth flower stuff. I think that it's, it's really pretty. I think that might be one of the only things that I found comfort in is getting a little piece of art with birth flowers because it, the dates, whenever you have so much loss and so much in your life, it's like the dates, I feel like are what stick out to you the most. And, Mm -hmm. and so it's Mm -hmm. nice to honor them that way. It is. Yeah. Oh, Shelly, thank you so much for coming on and for sharing your story. And I mean it whenever you have an update, if you would like to share it, we can always put a new episode up with your update. And, um, I, I, gosh, I hope that your next pregnancy experience has a completely different outcome than all of your pregnancy experience to where you have a positive outcome, positive experience and something that feels kind of like, I don't know, like it recovers your bad experiences Mm. in a way. Thank you so much. That means so much to me. Yeah. 